Talking soccer news For insight that excels For expert analytics You better go somewhere else Portland Bay Soccer Podcast Enjoy it now Cause it probably won't last Bitches poop They cover it all They'll discuss everything Except football Portland Vanity Soccer Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 74, season 4, episode 6. If you're counting, it's March, you're welcome. My name is Jonathan, and I'm coming to you from Northeast Portland. Hey, it's Randy, I'm coming to you from Siesta Key, Florida. And this is Greg in Northwest Portland. Today in this episode, we are going to have an interview with one Mr. Timon Emch. Uh, we're going to talk about some match results. Gross. Um, we're going to talk about the state of the club. We're going to look at the poll that we did on Reddit and Twitter and maybe a little bit of listener mail. Great. So, All right. You guys. Yeah. So we're uh, delaying getting at this covering these games, so we're going to go straight to Tymon. Tymon, where are you coming from? I'm coming from Northeast Portland right now. When you say right now, do you live there or you're crashing? I, I live here, yes, but uh, sometimes I spend a fair amount of time out in Beaverton as well, but no, I live out here in Northeast. So, Tymon is, let's see, he is a, a stop me, correct me if I get this wrong, you are a high school coach, soccer coach, you have an initiative to bring um, futsal to underserved communities in Portland. You are my son's team manager, <laughs> and uh, you were also a referee at one point in time. Did I get yeah, this correct? I still, yeah, I, I still hold the license, but uh, haven't it's been a while, especially, especially since those big games back in the day. So, um, let's talk about the roots futsal first. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, about talking about that. So yeah, so Roots Futsal is um, basically just kind of the the idea that futsal or, or soccer or really just like street soccer playing in the streets can look um, like it does in the rest of the world. So if you go pretty much anywhere, and this is kind of like one of the big differences I find between U.S. soccer development and especially South American, Latin American soccer is um, kids are just playing three or four hours a day every single day. And a lot of times they're not even touching the grass field until they're already the top 1%. So what we're trying to do with Roots Futsal is uh, make it free futsal for the people. Just kind of show kids, hey, this is, and adults as well, but show kids and um, and everyone in the Portland area that like, hey, the, here are the courts. Like Operation Pitch Invasion did an amazing job of making some uh, really cool courts. But I think just we need to facilitate uh, some of these pickup games like uh, King of the Court. Um, we kind of go with a more gender-inclusive Roots Royalty sort of thing, but um, winter stay style tournaments that uh, everyone can find at their local court all summer long. And this is a, a brand new organization? We kind of did a like a little version of it last summer at a, a one court in Northeast Portland, but this year we're trying to go with five courts and uh, we're trying to go with 750 free pickup games this summer. That's our goal. Whoa. Um, who... 
So who is all part of this organization? Are you running this by yourself or are there other volunteers? What are you doing? Um, I, this, this specific project is, um, I have Chris Skaggs. He, uh, he works with some, uh, futsal teams in the area and just in, in general is kind of connected. But then we also have these, uh, neighborhood ambassadors. So neighborhood ambassadors are usually high school kids that live close to a field and they're basically kind of trained to just be there, have pennies, have balls, have first aid certification and uh, just let the kids play. It's not really, there's not a lot of instruction. There's not a lot of rules. Um, it's kind of there just to facilitate the game. So we have at least one or two neighborhood ambassadors at each of our courts. How'd you find those ambassadors? Uh, going through varsity soccer programs, JV soccer programs, stuff like that. Um, I've been coaching in and around Portland for a while now. And so reaching out to coaches, that's been the best way. What, Where are uh, you getting the the funding to do it? Yeah, so uh, Roots FC is part of a uh, it's it's a program that's uh, part of Katakasa, which is a five hundred one c three nonprofit organization that I work with. So Katakasa does a lot of stuff, and we we also run a multicultural soccer program out in Beaverton and um, some other art programs. We actually have a really cool mural in the works called Dos Diegos, which is like a tribute to um, to Charga and Valeri that we're going to be doing in North Portland this summer with the Roosevelt soccer team and with some local uh, local artists. But they do other, we have other classes. We have DJ classes. We have uh, apparel design stuff. We even have some, uh, some support sometimes for Patch Patrol if they ever. So I know my brother and, and his friends sometimes want some custom embroidery work done. We'll help out with that. Yeah. What, um, <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> Jonathan, fill in something quick. I got a question for you. Um, so Randy is known as a very negative presence on this podcast. And I would like to know if that translates into his son's soccer team. Uh, no, not necessarily. No, I think he has like a pretty realistic view. <laughs> But then again, I sometimes have a pretty negative view of the soccer team as well. I like uh, not not of that team specifically, but I've just uh, I don't know. I see a lot of potentials in high, a lot of potential in high schoolers, and sometimes I'm just like the choices That's... they make and the the lack of uh, devotion. I think to really see it, like you'll see it, like the or actually you don't see it anymore. You really, to be honest, like high school players never really encounter what a real soccer player looks like anymore back in the day. And like when I was playing, you had those few players in the league that you're like, Oh, that player is going D one. And like that player is going to go play pro for us. It was, uh, it was Chad Barrett. It was like, yep, he goes to Selfridge. That's what a pro player looks like with development Academy. You never see those players anymore. So you never see what a, like a truly devoted high schooler looks like someone who's like chasing a very hard to achieve dream. Um, but I don't know. I at least that's because we're far from it. <laughs> it is, but that it's part of that's because they don't let those some uh, they don't let those kids play high school soccer anymore. Oh no, I wouldn't either. To be honest with you, like, <laughs> they won't even let them do PE classes. You're not, like <laughs> those kids aren't allowed to be in PE. Like can you imagine? Like it's a lose lose situation. They either go up against a high school uh, like a fellow high schooler and and beat them, or they get hurt. You know, They're like it's it's a. Uh, yeah, they're not even in the high school leagues. You never see them anymore. You'll see them like you're like, oh yeah, Valor used to play for the team, or so and so used to play, but uh, now they're kind of in their own exclusive little world. Um, don't you guys have a tournament coming up for Roots? Yeah, 
So our kickoff tournament is this Sunday, weather permitting. So all of our courts are outdoor courts. Um, a big thing is uh, just making this free for everyone. And if it's free, then we're not paying uh, the exorbitant prices of like uh, some of the indoor courts in town. But um, that also makes us subject to the weather. And, you know, trying to organize an outdoor soccer tournament in March in Portland is a little risky. But yeah, our kickoff tournament is this Sunday. Uh, that's Sunday, March 26th. I'm not sure when the podcast is dropping, but we, uh, if it's not great weather, we might move it to the following Sunday. So it's either the first Sunday of spring break or the last Sunday of spring break, or maybe even both if we have a really good turnout. And we have a whole bunch of different age groups. So like uh, it starts at like early ele- elementary. So grades like one through three, they play at noon. Then um, at one or grades four and five, then middle school, then high school. And then our adults play at four o'clock. And uh, it's just that king of the court style, winner stay. Uh, we should have some DJing, some live screen printing. Uh, there's even talk of this um, group coming together and doing like kind of retro jerseys and like having a, uh, a I don't know, like a like an old gear swap, but not like you stuff, like cool stuff. Oh, yeah. that's, that's interesting. One of the questions I have is like you throw like these giant tournaments and – I'm going to tie it back into what you said about, you know, coaching high school and how it's different. Like they're academy players. Do, do any actual scouts for any teams come to events like this? Like this, like this one specifically, no. And I would probably say that, um, no, not at all. This is super, super street soccer underground. There might be like some players that are not even club players. And, and actually, to be honest with you, I kind of want those players, especially at the high school level. Um, in middle school level, I want the players that aren't playing club out there. Uh, there's a huge split that happens. If you look at how many youth players we have in Portland at U10, or if you go to Delta Park on a Sunday and you see these U10, U11, U12, not U12, but like those small-sided games, and there's hundreds of teams, hundreds of them. And then you get up to the high school level, and by the time you're 18, there's you know 10. And players are just dropping out, but they don't have anywhere to play. And rec soccer is not that great, and you still have to pay to play there, but they should be able to play. So a lot of this stuff is for um, is not for those high players, but really for recreational players. They just want to just have a love for the game. They just want to play. Yeah, so like from experience, having two, ki- two kids at two separate high schools that both played soccer, um, you got a situation like Grant where they have um, – what is it like 200 kids try out for 90 spots or something like that? Um, it's insane. And, and a lot of good kids don't make any teams in those situations. Um, you know, kids that play club soccer. And then you've got the opposite end of that, which was uh, Benson, where my other son played, where basically anybody can walk on the field. And if you've played there more than one year, you could play on the varsity team if they can scrape up enough people to even field that. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to see how like two schools who probably share a boundary, um, how they approach soccer differently. And a lot of times it, it falls on class lines. It's uh, who's who's you know devoted to very expensive club soccer early on, and who's not. You know, especially out in Beaverton, we have um, especially at our high school at Beaverton High, we have the newcomer program. We have a like a large Latino population and very. By the end of it, very few players are still in club. If you look at like our senior varsity class of like players, there's I think one who's still playing club for their last like state cup. 
And um, I bet if you look at the fifth graders of that same kind of feeder system, you'd see tons. So, yeah, we're losing a lot of players. And unfortunately, there's not a lot of venue for them to play. Why do you think we're losing those players? Um, one, I mean, price. Like, one, I think we're losing a lot of stuff just because it gets expensive. Um, right. Kids find new hobbies. Like, it's part of, like, the you know, you want to, you know, try new things. But um, and I don't necessarily think, you know, high-level club soccer is for everyone. I think it's kind of a stressful environment. Um, but I do think that there should be a lot more recreational activities. But given that turf prices is $100 an hour, um, you know, a futsal league is $100 a season, it's, uh, and it's rainy a lot in Portland, it's just tough to find those free avenues for soccer. That was actually what I was going to ask in follow-up is – so I, I hear that a lot and, uh, you know, we're, I can't say we are, but I am specifically a big supporter of PCFC and what cage is doing um, the same thing where it's like, you know, the pay to play soccer eliminates, uh, you know, accessibility for a lot of people. Like on average, what does it cost per year for someone to play competitive soccer? So if you just look at the tuition alone for a club, it's probably two grand, you know, give and take depending on the, um, this and that, but like that doesn't begin to kind of cover transportation fees and like the, the devotion you're doing tournaments. Now, if you're in like one of the top clubs, like if you're like a, for, for our age group, it'd be like, um, PDX United, something like that. They're doing tournaments in Florida. They're doing tournaments all like playing in these regional groups. And those are where you're going to find scouts. And those are, those are teams where, they probably have some scholarships available, but at the same time, it is it, it can't be less than five grand a year with all that travel included. Plus, uh, kits you swap kits like every every two years, um, or they uh, and you have to buy like the you know the the tops and the trainers and all that stuff, you know, and f- training yeah. uniforms and stuff like that. That stuff adds up totally, and it's. Um, and also just like the commute time, you know what I mean? Like if you want, like if you want to be on that one team and then, and they train at six o'clock down in Tualatin, that's a, that's a four hour commitment for a parent. You know what I mean? And good luck with that. That's, that's not actually the only motivation. I think one of my kids have for getting a driver's license is to be able to, to play for, for different teams. <laughs> um, so uh, have we covered uh, roots futsal enough? Do you think? Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. Jonathan, do you have anything else? No, I, I think it's cool. And um, uh, again, uh, anything that's supporting, you know, soccer at any age level for, you know, for no money, we think is amazing. The only other question I would ask is um, for futsal, have you heard of the legendary futsal team called Fat Bull? <laughs> which was it was comprised of me greg uh randy josh our other counterpart and a bunch of other fatties and we played in the the summer tournament that used to be hosted by oh what was that charity uh basically it had something to do with it yeah yeah i can't remember but uh basically we're all fat and gross and we would go play and uncoordinated and we got beat by a french team to where there it was like it was like sixteen to one, and our one goal was only by our Brazilian who uh, Marcelo is a is a man <laughs> yes. who enjoys his desserts and um, uh, but um, as but as a Brazilian in every other way, 
Yeah, <laughs> when he gets behind that ball, man, you better watch out because that is a cannonball and it's going to rip through your uh, right through your chest. But um, as a, I'm only being sarcastic, but now I'm sh- I'm remembering uh, one of those games and I had to talk about it for a quick second where they were beating. There's like this team beating us like 12 to one, uh, 12 to two or whatever. And they started doing like little cutesy tricks uh, and back heel passes when they were already destroying us. And we all looked like. Not we didn't need Gatorade. We probably needed an ambulance. Um, and we were rec- subbing out like every every sixty seconds too. We had like fifteen guys on the team. We were like constantly yeah. subbing out because we were out of shape. And did, if I recall correctly, didn't Corey Radisevich like straight up like no, he didn't get a red card or anything? But it was one of those he floored some someone got floored from that team, and then everyone got mad and it got heated. And then I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do this anymore. That was that was Chris that threw a child to the ground. Oh, that oh, was jeez. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Chris Farlow. What, oh, what God, Corey man. did was he offered Zarek Valentine a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> Hot damn, those are the times, man. Yeah, uh, uh, time, and I will send you a photo at some point uh, via Randy of of our fat bowl team. And if you need coaches, we're available. <laughs> Sounds good. Actually, I think I had heard of this team. I had this uh, friend who. He didn't live in Portland, but I think he's sometimes played with y'all. His name is Jesse Roberts, but he's friends with Corey, I believe. And um, he he would he he told me about it. It sounds pretty legendary. Oh, it was it was really fun. Um, yeah, that was. Uh, I think I think I know the name Jesse Roberts too. Um, but anyway, yeah, that was it for uh, the futsal stuff. But so Randy, speaking of hobbies. Um, you want to tell us about uh, one hundred and three, the tra- the the fight, oh, the, the trash, trash that is one hundred and three. Um, I'm 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 trash adjacent. I do love uh, some of the devotion to um, to like some good patches. I think there's some good patches there uh, to pocket tequila. You know, to taking your shirt off for a goal for changing up some of the lyrics. Our sweet dreams sounds pretty nice, mm-hmm. and uh, just in general, just kind of being delinquents in the uh, the one hundred and three, the the corner. I mean, corner kick consultants sometimes (laughs) (laughs) i've never heard that that's awesome oh we have business cards if you want a corner kick consultant business card oh my god uh yeah you're more than adjacent your your offspring is oh he's definitely branded he is a 103 ballistic baby yeah yeah um some of my hobby is include like some some screen printing and some graphic design work and uh yeah he's definitely all suited up for a 103 ballistic baby um, yeah, we need a, we have another one coming, I think to the stadium, maybe his first game will be this weekend. So we'll have a second one there. Nice. Uh, all right, let's, let's move on to talking about your refing. No, 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 no. Okay. We got to talk more about the shirts off stuff first. So, um, in one Oh three, so I'm a fancy key bank, a hole, and, mm-hmm. uh, it's difficult for me to see one Oh three from my vantage point. But from how, his ivory tower. Yeah, from my <laughs> ivory tower. Like, I'm just drunk with champagne, so it's really difficult to, uh, to figure. I don't care if they win or lose. I'm just there for drinking with friends and business partnerships. Um, so the how many people actually take off their shirts when you score a goal? Uh, I think it's a bit weather depending, you know, like there's some fair weather shirtless fans, but then there's some diehards. Like there's definitely a few guys that will take it off and uh, – and yeah, man, it's it's the only reason I hit the gym is just so I can take my shirt off and you know look a little bit better. Like that shit gets on camera. Like I gotta gotta make sure. Like my grandma sees that she watches all the games from California, and so uh, I gotta make sure I'm looking good. So, but it's like nine out of ten dad bods, right? 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know what the further evolution of uh, dad bods is, but it's almost <laughs> like it's, it's out there. Yeah, it's fatball. Okay, cool. Yeah. That makes sense. That tracks. <laughs> yeah, it's inclusive. Yeah. All right, roughing. Roughing. Yeah, I used to. I I still do very occasionally, but I used to rough quite a bit and made a couple. We'd call like runs at it where you like see how far you can go in a good season. Um, and Exp- explain that. Explain that. So like the um, you, you referee some youth games and I started when I was 13, um, refereed a bunch of youth games in college. It's a great part time job. I don't know how many youth listeners you have, but college, it's great. You can pick up these high school games. High school games are paying. Uh, I'm sure money. we have our finger on the pulse of the youth, of the, of the youth referee market. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, but it was a great, great time. And then, um, got chosen for a couple big tournaments. Uh, did a couple regional tournaments. Um, which ones, which ones? So like one was like the region four ODP, uh, tournament, ah. which was really great. That was like on, at Linfield, but it hosted all of region four. So like this, this quarter of the U S um, and o- ODP s- technically stands for Olympic o- development uh, program. Right. And so it's like, uh, back in the day before there's timbers, it really was closer to like your top 15, eight, your top, your, your top 18 players, uh, in the state and competing against the top 18 players of like SoCal or NorCal or Hawaii or this and that, um, really good training. There's a big asterisk there because you still had to pay. So it's the top 18 players that can pay. And now it's kind of like the top, you know, players number like 20 through 40 who can pay. That's kind of what ODP is now. But it means a lot to put on kids' Instagram. Because the guys ahead of them are in Timbers Academy. Exactly, yeah. Right, okay. Um, But I did that. We used to host this really cool tournament at Nike called the Manchester United Premier Cup. That was super dope. Um, You'd see like like the R9 Ronaldo there. You'd see um, all sorts of stuff. Uh, that was a really prestigious tournament for Nike clubs and, um, yeah, did that, went to regionals three times. I went to like Utah and Idaho and always went to the shittier regional spots. Never got to go to Hawaii and stuff, but then, um, that's all kind of youth soccer. And then Portland, because we're kind of like this weird in between where we didn't, now this is a bit changed. In the last three years, this has changed a lot. There's now like these new kind of USL, USL2 semi-pro leagues that have developed. And that's actually been really good for the referee scene, or so I imagine. Because at the time, when I was um, like 25 years old, there was college. And college games were fine. But um, they, And then there was OPSL, which is like the, the highest men's league, which is like just a bit higher than like the GPSD Open. Um, and... But there wasn't anything greater than that. Then there's like Timbers U23 and stuff like that. So there are very, very few good games. And um, the referees kind of at the top kind of kept them all. So if you wanted to like make a run at like, hey, I want to see how like get a couple good games, uh, hopefully have some good assessments. Because at that time, all of your games are assessed. You get a very, very um, honest. It's not like this new age public school shit where you get you know socially promoted it's like you get a 68 percent sort of thing and you get (laughs) assessed on every single game you get told what's wrong at every single minute that you've messed up and everything and so one time like one summer and to do that you have to like start traveling a whole bunch and you're often paying your own way so i know a good referee right now who got chosen for dallas cup which is like arguably one of the best youth tournaments in the in the country and he didn't make like that first 30. So he'd have to go and pay for his own airplane ticket down there and his own, like uh, his own hotel room while he's there, his own food and everything just to be kind of like seen as a referee. 
So it's kind of like you have to like be seen. You have to go and put yourself in these situations and perform very well. And that's kind of how it works. That's that's super interesting to me because you were saying earlier, like kids making, you know, academy teams or, you know, making it pro from high school is super rare. It almost sounds like just from like a numbers perspective that it's even harder for referees to make it. Totally. Oh, for sure. Um, it's really like, yeah, like you said, like, let's say Oregon sends, you know, uh, tw- I don't know, eight, 16 teams, six uh, to regionals every year. And those 16 teams have, you know, 18 players on each one. There's only six referees going. So there's, it's, it's very difficult. Um, the pipeline is a little bit more supported now, but um, it's, it's, difficult but at the same time there's a lot of really trashy referees like there are some shit referees out there i'm <laughs> i am not above letting them know either um that's, perhaps that's too what, much that's but, uh one of the things i like watching uh youth soccer games with you is first of all you you have the you have a pretty definitive knowledgeable uh call on what's happened on the field you know if you could look at something and be like hey what you know when parents would be like what the and then you're like oh no that's blah 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 blah. you have a you know and you can straighten that out um you can also straighten out when some when the ref is blowing it too oh yeah it looked real bad this last weekend there were like a few <laughs> calls that were just like straight wrong and um like that happens you get wrong calls hopefully it's not misinterpretations of the rules but rules change sometimes and that's doable but it's like really i just get after um lack of effort it's like when people are just like calling it in and which I did in my career, you know what I mean? Especially if you're doing eight games a weekend and, but, um, but being professional and, uh, so just knowing the game, yeah. those, those tournaments, if you're getting evaluated, so they're sending a guy to watch every game or are they watching game yeah. tape? Um, so the game, uh, the gun, the game that I failed. So I did like a, a Timbers U23 line, a, um, I had to like go a Sounders developmental like center. And so I was like kind of working up these bigger games, bigger games. And I had, um, a T2 versus Sounders two in the stadium. And I was an assistant referee for that one. At, and that's at, like, uh, what's at what stadium at Providence park. Oh, wow. So that was so like Timbers two like- against Sounders two. Like, um, we were given a bunch of free tickets cause it was like a two, two, two game. So I give it to all these players that I coach and my like, family and everything. So, um, they're all there and, uh, Oh my God, the level of this, just the pace was so much faster and the organization of the defense and the offense was so much faster. So from an assistant referee perspective, like you're worrying about offside and some other stuff, but really it's just offside and it's, unbelievable how fast a like a really well organized back line can step and how deep and how fast a run can come from the, like from the opposing team where if you're doing even the top level of men's uh, refereeing in portland it's essentially a, a, a back line that's static against a player who's comparatively like jogging or walking like it's like night and day difference. And then plus just like the added stress, like I literally felt like I had, uh, I had tunnel vision on that game where I didn't know what was going on around me. I wasn't like paying attention and I made some very bad calls and, um, my assessment, I think I got a, I got in the six, I think I got like a 68 on my assessment. So I failed that one. So it was going <laughs> to be tough for me to, um, to like, 
I wasn't going to be able to get any other games like that this season. And for me to kind of continue on, I recognize that I was like, oh, I'm going to have to kind of build up from not the bottom, but from a lot lower games to get that kind of opportunity again. Were you bitter like in the moment? Like when like how do they like as someone who watches soccer on TV all the time, I I feel like the referee accountability is very minimal in terms of like clearly missed calls and that's across any league anywhere in the world and it's it's super rare to hear of anything that actually happens so like what's it like to receive feedback as a referee um it's tough like you kind of go through the, the like the assessor that i had um she's awesome she like knows her stuff and it was on a youtube video and you can just like what's nice about it, it's just like a list of areas you messed up and you can just watch the video. So at the very beginning, you're just like a little devastated or maybe even a little angry or something like that. But then you look back on it and you're like, God, like that was awful. That was awful. That was awful. <laughs> um, like they're right. You know what I mean? And what, what was your, what was your impression after the match before you got assessed? How, how did that compare to what, what, what your assessment was? Um, the center referee was like kind of a hot shot and he was on his way up and he was like, no, yeah, you fucked that one up. And I was like, what? Like he, he like, he knew I messed up an offside call, like one that will like led to a pretty direct goal scoring opportunity for Seattle. So, um, I'm not sure if there's maybe some, like, uh, some deep bias somewhere deep, deep in there, but, um, but they, uh, but he kind of said it and, um, I don't know. I was shook. Like after that game, I was like shell shook of just, holy crap. That was a shit show. Like that was so much faster, so much harder than anything I've ever done. And it's easy just to be like, Oh, I can do that. I can jump into that game. And you know, I get like my kids say it all the time about playing and everything. It's like, hey, it's such a different game. That's, that's super interesting to me. So uh, like a fellow referee said to you like, Hey, you, you know, that was the wrong call. You did a bad job. And so when I watch matches on, you know, say like the weekends and it's the Premier League and I had, I struggled this past weekend because Spurs are my team and um, they had a penalty called against them in the end of the match. I thought was wrong. That's a different story. However, the referees are always like a cohesive unit when they're leaving the field and you never hear comments. It's like no one's disagreeing with one another, but like when you get, into like your safe space or I almost your not safe space. If you're going to get real feedback from your coworkers in the moment, like does it get heated? Like what's that like? Yeah. At the higher levels, for sure. At the higher levels, you're all, you're essentially like you're in that same mentality as the, as the players almost there's a bit more like, but it's like, it gets heated. You're kind of defending yourself, but it's like, it's, um, I mean, at the younger levels, at the younger ages, at the lower levels, you're a lot more supportive and stuff like that. But at the assessments at the top, like you have to get the right call, like period. And it's like to sugarcoat is stupid. It's just like, no, you get the right call. That's how it works. Like I always um, kind of like just do better as a referee. That's <laughs> If you want to get yelled at less, just be better. That's my kind of thing. But um no, you're right. You get you have to maintain that like that unity and some of the worst things that you can do as a referee is like sell out, uh like or like throw a fellow referee under the bus during the game or like sometimes it's called like handcuffing them. If you're like an assistant referee and you popped your flag up for a very like trivial foul or a foul the center referee decided deliberately not to call. The center referee did not want to have this 
foul called and the system referee pops up their flag, it kind of handcuffs them. And it's like, dude, especially when you have like television and this and that, you're like, now you have to call it. And so, um, that's, that's frustrating. And you have to kind of, you know, make sure it looks okay at the time. But definitely when you get back, like the higher levels, there's a lot more critique, a lot more honesty. Uh, for the record, I'll throw anyone under the bus. My friend, uh, it doesn't matter. My partner, um, like, whatever. I don't give a shit. Like if she fucks up, I'm let everyone know. No, I'm kidding. Um, I, um, that's just, that's super interesting to me. It's one of those, it's, it's like a, it's like a mystery box that you never get to see the other side of. So that's really insightful. And, uh, I would love to be a fly on the wall during some of those games where, you know, it's, you know, the half and, you just go into the tunnel and like the referee's like, you fucked that up. You stupid son. And I'm like, Whoa. Um, so that's, it's actually refreshing to hear that happens. Um, but then you come out unified at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I think like coaches, they have to do it in post game talks all the time. We're like, you know, I'm sure geo likes a, like, even when he's pissed, it sounds probably a lot different in the locker room. Um, there's, yeah, it's, it's kind of a trippy little, little world to, to be in. Uh, it's definitely really, I kind of miss the stress of it sometimes. It was like a fun stressor to have. It's like you're, you have to be mentally so engaged um, while you're running. Like, you know, like if you're doing a good men's game that has ball boys and everything like that, like you should be not even men's game, but just a professional game. Like you're running seven miles. So you're like good, good recovery time and good recovery. Like yeah. That, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> almost got canceled. Uh. <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, you're, yeah, you're running seven miles while you're making tons of decisions. And I like to, I sometimes would do it like bilingually. So I'm like trying to like switch on languages and this and that and communicate with players, get the call right. And it's a, it's a whole, it's a world. I miss it occasionally. I'll sometimes go, I'll do like three or four games. These days what I mostly do is like, I'll do a game with my kids. So they will be assistant referees or I'll be an assistant for them to help them. Cool. It's super dorky. I forgot to say that. It's so lame. It's so fucking lame. <laughs> at the end of the day, I'm like trying to build it up. It's so fucking lame, you guys. It's not cool at all to do it. Like I'd be at regionals and my friends would be there because they're players and I'd be there for as a referee. And we all know who is cooler. You know what I mean? It's, it's not like my it's not the guy in the yellow shirt and the black socks. Yeah, yeah, that guy is not the cool. There are a few cool referees that I like in Portland, but generally speaking, it's like it's not the coolest. <laughs> I mean, hi guys. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. All right, man. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Um, I'm curious to hear what you guys have to say about the uh, the first few games of the season. It's been rough. Yeah. <clears throat> so, time it really quick before um, uh, before you exit. Anything you want to plug again, really quick? Any more details, websites, or anything? Yeah, I mean, RoofsFootsall.com. It has a really slick uh, kind of sign up system, so you can just see where the games are. If you're in North Portland, Gresham, Beaverton. Uh, like Northeast, it will like show you where you are, all these different age groups in a very slick kind of sign up system. Um, that's that. And then if you're interested in more nonprofit stuff, there's katakasa.org. Um, we'll throw these links in the show description. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, and, but importantly, a kid doesn't have to sign up, right? They can just show up. They can show up. It's better for like, if we're trying to organize just to see how many numbers we have yeah. and you don't have to like create a count or anything like that. Just like write your name and click sign in. And that allows us just to see who's right. going to be there and stuff like that. Well, good luck with that, man. It sounds cool. Thank you. Yeah, Thank man. You. Cheers. Thanks for joining. Thanks. I'll uh, talk to you guys all again. Thanks for having me.
right. See you, man. All right. Well, Randy, yeah. uh, what a fantastic guest. I um, We didn't really prep super well in terms of no. questions in advance and who was going to ask what. However, that was really conversational, and I enjoyed the 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 other view into the, the life of referee and then also just – really interesting that they do talk shit to each other when they're done or like in the half or something like that. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. Before he started this roots futsal thing, I'd wanted to have him on just to talk about the refing stuff. Um, and yeah, it's true. We didn't get a chance to, uh, uh, prep for this very much because he was a last minute replacement for another guest that canceled on us, but I, th- I think it went pretty well. Yeah. All right. We'll take it. Hey, um, cool. What? I guess, Randy, you're supposed to start talking here. Is Greg um, still around? Is he still alive? Uh, what? 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 Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is like the worst part when it's not organized in terms of an interview. Randy and I are definitely like, I'm, oh, I'm going to talk first because I want to sound the most important. And Greg's <laughs> like, you know what, guys? I just don't give a shit. Like, I'm just going to have a sip of my old fashioned, going to say hello to my kitty. Um, and. Uh, and not listen to you idiots like over talk each other. But even with no like pre-organized questions, that flowed, I, I would say, relatively well. Yeah, he's an interesting guy. Yeah, he's funny, too. And he's so that uh, this is the version that doesn't have where we try to do the video version because Randy's Internet in Florida sucks. But uh, I challenged Tyman to take off his shirt because he was laying in the bed for the podcast. <laughs> he totally did. Uh, and it was really funny. So uh, uh, you will miss that in the audio. But, but Randy, why don't now that we uh, did this interview, which is great. Why don't we start talking about the the, the timbers, I guess? <laughs> All right, so uh, St. Louis predictions. Let's talk about our predictions. I said 2-2 draw. Josh said 1-0 win. Greg said 4-1 win. All games, we win 4-win all the time. That's usually your call. You said 2-1 win, and we went down with a 2-1 loss. After scoring first. Um, Who's closest to picking that? Nobody picked a... Oof. Uh two one I think I'm closest, eh? Hey? Two two draw. I mean I guess uh it's all it's all wrong. Um <laughs> no nobody got the spirit of said said game correct is 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 what I would say from those predictions. Um do we I man, I rewatched that St. Louis match. I was at the match, first of all. Did you go? I was there, Greg. Oh, of course. Greg was there. We had uh, the home opener TIFO unveiled. Yay! God, uh, because it got, because of the delay from the the weather delay. Uh, fantastic job on the TIFO, Greg. Yay, Greg! It was a real fun one to make. Yeah, it was. Um, I sorry, I got to say a couple things about the the TIFO from um, from my perspective in KeyBank Club. It looked good. Uh, it looked really good. And I was skeptical of the way that the it was going to flow down, um, but it totally worked. And you guys paused the, the log flume part of it at one point. And when you paused it, you could clearly see one of the, the pixies in uh, a log flume uh, coming down. And I was like, it, it just like, it looked pretty damn good. And I want to give one more shout out to Greg and TIFO crew for TA 
for winning the ISC um, TIFO of the year with the Ouija board last season. I know we talked about it before, but it just like seeing like the creativity that goes into it. And now knowing that our main man, Gregory uh, is, uh, is, doing a big part of the show this year. That's like, it's super cool. Well done, sir. I can't wanna, wait to wanna... snort a line off the trophy when it gets here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are you going to do like just straight up cocaine? Or are you going to add Adderall as well? Uh, whatever you bring, buddy. Okay, is, you is there a, is there actually a, a trophy that goes around for that? There are. We have won it three times already, and you can see them at the fan Laden. How, how, hey, oh, so nice. you, Oh, so it's not one that gets passed around. You get one that they make a new one every year. Yep. Uh, it's how long have they been doing that? Oh, I don't know. As long as ISC has been around, which I think, <sighs> man, it's I like find it hard years. to believe that. I find it hard to believe that they've only won three. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I I am Buell. <laughs> they they stopped giving the Timbers Army awards uh, for that because. Yeah, it was too. We would win it. Well, us or the Riveters would win it every time if that was the case, and that's not fun. But I think the Ouija board was just like so innovative; they couldn't ignore it. Dude, it changed the game. Changed the game. It's funny you bring up the uh, log flume pausing that one time because that was completely not intentional. It was not supposed to pause at any moment, but somebody up in the top of two hundred seven. didn't get the memo that they're not supposed to stop it. And that was one person in the corner, like holding on for dear life. (laughs) 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 And, and, um, uh, Colin was up there and he told me the story because, you know, he was up there helping direct traffic and he's like trying to scream over everybody like, no, let it go, let it go. And this person's just like holding it. And they look so happy. And finally they got it away from him. And he said, the look on his face just went, no, as it's he's like watching it go away. It's like Mel Gibson in Braveheart, uh, pre-Nazi Mel Gibson, when he's like, "Hold, hold." Uh, what uh, for those of uh, viewers who listeners who were, and saw this thing? Um, explain the uh, reference. Pixieland was a short-lived uh, theme park in. The Oregon coast. It was near Lincoln City during the seventies, based on the Pixie Kitchen. Um, they they were attempting to make a Disneyland of the Northwest. It didn't last very long because, in case you didn't notice, the weather doesn't cooperate in the Northwest. So it closed after only six or seven seasons. I mean, I, I would say they were attempting to make Enchanted Forest of the West. Ooh, uh, but the reason why we went with this specifically was. Uh, Pixieland had the first log flume ride in the Western United States, beating out the famous Knott's Berry Farm log ride by a whole six months. Nice. So, um, yeah, I did see some grousing about the choice of a Pixieland based uh, TIFO, which I thought was pretty ridiculous. Shut up and get over it. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyways, well done on that, Greg, and everybody that helped, obviously. Obviously. St. Louis. Yeah. Ouch. Uh, no, can we just talk more no, no. about TIFOs again? Because that was way more fun from the match. If I'm going to have memories, I would prefer it be of the glorious TIFO. And yeah, I watched our sweet, sweet Christian Paredes. I watched uh, that match, the rebroadcast after seeing it live. Um, and I've, 
And then after this Atlanta match, I think uh, everything from Seattle or from St. Louis just kind of like got flushed away. I go ahead. No, you go, Greg. I was just going to say, I rewatched it also and I had a lot of thoughts, but I didn't write them down. So I'm trying to find where those (laughs) Those were good thoughts. We lost Paredes. It was when we lost Paredes. Yeah, Yeah. The first, when did he go out in like the, 10th minute or something tenth stupid. Minute or something like Journalism. that. As soon as we lost him, our control of the midfield was completely gone. Our counter pressing was not nearly as effective. Uh, their passing lanes got wide open. There were huge gaps in the midfield. And when we get to Atlanta, you'll see how that further fucked us over. Um, yeah. Who'd have thought Paredes was the key That's- to this style of play working? Nobody like he wasn't even a, like he didn't. He's not a starter. Christian you know, that, probably thought that he was the key. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, let me tell you something. You sons of bitches. I, um, I, the, the parade is going out. Um, obviously changing the flow of the game, which is just super weird. I really thought like when we scored the opening goal, I was like, okay, St. Louis, like congratulations for your, you know, your bullshit wins where you had defensive errors that were egregious where you were able to score. And yeah, that, that was that was the joke going around beforehand was like, all, all we got to do to beat these guys is not pass back to a striker who's offside. And all they have to do is get Christian Paredes to have a non-contact injury uh, and then they'll win, which is just so wild. And we'll talk about injuries in a minute. That was a big topic of conversation, but it. It, 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 it really did just change the whole game. And at that point, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to get wasted. And that's what I did. At that point, you did? <laughs> uh, well, once the momentum shifted, I was like, I don't really need to pay attention anymore. I'm right. just going to drink heavily at the at the match. Um, yeah, I also remember f- everybody freaking out that Evander wasn't in this, the starting lineup. Oof, we yeah. thought that was just Geo making a bad, weird decision. Which... If we go back to accountability, Randy, you said during the the episode that we did with Outer Roses that you were pre- – forget your actual prediction. It's written down somewhere in in Google that Geo was going to bench random good players for a reason that we would not understand. And I was like, holy shit. Randy was totally right. I In the moment, right. I was like – I was like, I shit-talked Randy, and it, as it turns out, Randy is an oracle. And Well, no, he was – I mean, there's a, uh, there was a reason. He was injured, so they were trying to save him. Yeah. He which we didn't know. He should have never seen the pitch that day. Yeah. Yeah. Totally, totally agree. Um, I, think, I think we all just – should we just move on from this? Yeah, let's move game? on. It was who scored our goal? Was that McGraw? It was McGraw. Yeah, McGraw and, in the third minute off of a corner, and it was beautiful. And that was like, hey, celebrate! And then, yeah, once so, again, we had many, many, many good quality chances and zero finishing. I think it was Fogacha that like utterly skied it or no it's mm. mascara all well i think both of them did utterly skies it from a great opportunity uh inside the box i remember specifically moreno 
having the ball at his feet, like he right is, outside the six yard line. And he has not looked that good, has he? He has not found his stride. I still believe in him. Like I'm not Moreno out, you know, but he hasn't found his flow yet this season. Um, and I'm in a Discord server uh, for Rocket League. If anybody plays Rocket League with a bunch of old dudes and found out somebody in there is a St. Louis city supporter. And we got to talk about this match and he was just like, I'm honestly shocked that you guys, the Timbers did not win this game. The Timbers offense is so fucking scary. In theory. Yeah. In theory (laughs) on paper, but again, we're four matches in with no finishing. And also I'll jump in with this. Nice Gota has zero shots on the season so far. Remember when I predicted a 20 goal season for him? (laughs) (laughs) He's really going to turn it on in the summertime when he's playing for Seattle. Four matches, zero shots. And I think his total touches over these four matches is like less than 40. (sighs) Yeah. So, all right. Who else wants to say something about St. Louis? Nobody. I'm fucking over uh, yeah. it. Uh, good credit to them. They came to what should be one of the hardest places in MLS to play as an expansion team on a three and O tear and, um, or two and O tear, whatever. Yeah. It doesn't matter. They, and they, and they outplayed us and credit to them. And, uh, like they're breaking records in MLS. And, uh, it was funny because they were supposed to be like looking at the roster building. You're going, who the hell, what team is this? And uh, to do that in Portland with a full, full army uh, behind our team. And it still it just could not make the difference. Atlanta. Oh, God damn it. Uh, Randy, couldn't you like <laughs> talk about like another TIFO or something before we jump? Uh, right I said two zero loss. Uh, Greg said three zero loss. Uh, Josh said one zero loss. Um Oh, I said another loss as well. It three was one like loss. Three one loss. Yeah, um, I think Greg wins with three zero. He's the closest. Jonathan. Oh, is he the closest? Jonathan is three yeah, one. Whoa! Did I actually win? Well, well I mean, you think that's closer than to the the general feeling of the game? A five one. Then a three zero. Oh, it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> we all lose. Yeah. I mean, that, that's like, I was like, do you want to win at losing? That's, um, I, so I watched this match and I have coworkers who live in Atlanta who are Atlanta United fans. I have old coworkers who are Atlanta United fans. And it was the text message threads, uh, after this were, um, some that I will not repeat on this podcast because uh, Atlanta culture is different than Portland culture. But one of the nicest things that someone said to me was, I'm praying for you after this game. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, oh, man. I don't even know where to start. It started off good with a, with a Williamson goal. A Williamson goal that should have fucking stood. Uh, Fuck you, Ted Uncle. Yeah, dude, we got uncled. Randy, I know your air uh, is. Uh, I so I watched the replays of this goal because in the moment I remember my in laws were in town this weekend, and as soon as we scored that goal, I was like, "There we go, that's it. Like we're we're back to it." You know, Williamson scored that screamer, and 
then it's like the play is not restarting, play is not restarting, hand to ear for the earpiece. And I was like, we're going to get uncled. And and then we got uncled. So, Greg, I agree with you. Randy, we would like to hear why you're wrong. <laughs> I mean, because he's blocking the view of the keeper. He's in an offside advanced position, and he's and that ball comes. He, he has to duck to get out of the way of it. And, and dude, by the, the letter of the law, that that's the that's the the right call. I, um, I mean, first if you're, of all, you're on the receiving end of that that goal, you're like you're 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 crying out for that. Here's here's my issue. If Uncle makes that call on the field in the moment, it hurts, but okay. The fact that it went to VAR and he sat there for like four minutes staring at the goddamn thing before making a decision. That is not how VAR is supposed to be used. If you have to look at it for that long, it is neither clear nor obvious. Mm. Ooh, letter of the law, Randy. So let me say one. <laughs> yeah, thing. that's a, I mean, it wasn't four minutes. There was a, a, a um, CONCACAF match I watched where there was a legitimate four or five minute VAR call where a guy sat there and watched over and over and over again. Um, and that's, that's, not right. that's, that's the, uh, you think it should be a time limit if you can't make the right call in, in an, a minute and a half? It's the call stands. Yes, it should be yeah. shorter than that. See, you I, said I like the inter. I've never started to jump back in here and listen. <laughs> what are you here? Well, I was listening and cooking dinner, but I really like your usage of the word, uh, like of clear and obvious, and then having a four minute. I've never heard that argument, and I think it's a really good one. I think that. Um, you know, like ultimately it was like, I guess the correct call It was a hurt. It, it hurt, but I really do like how you use the, that phrasing. If clear and obvious, if it's clear and obvious, it shouldn't be four minutes. I like that. Thank oh. you. Referee. Yeah. Oh, referee. Oh, referee. <laughs> I said, I take you, another Simon. dinner. Um, <laughs> Simon doesn't know anything about refereeing. Yeah. Hold <laughs> on. From, so the thing from too. another perspective though, as a, as a goalkeeper, I have been advocating for this, uh, that type of interpretation for years now, because let's say there's a cross in and two guys are offside and the guy who had the ball wasn't offside. Those other guys influenced where I was positioned and it was never called. And I raised it like I'd always raise hell about this at meetings and say like, hey, these people are offside and totally influencing me. It should always be called. But I've been barking up that tree for a long time. Uh, I think you're going to start seeing it more and more um, that you, when you get when your involvement looks different where before it had to be touching the ball. Now it's going to be really a bit more subtle. Something else I want to point out for what the explanation is where it's like Nizgoda had to duck um, for whatever. So Jaroslaw Nizgoda is six foot one. He is a very tall, lanky, skinny guy who can't score goals. Brad Guzan is nine foot two. And that's true because I just updated his Wikipedia page so people can understand. But he is six foot four. And I feel like I know he's crouching as a keeper and he's go to might, but whatever. But like that, that goal to me, just the he's 35 yards out and there's one person in the way. Yeah. Well, there's two. There's the, there's the guy. The well, I guess you're right. The other guy that's sort of in the way is the the defender. So, damn it. Yeah. Also, well, there's no way Guzan is stopping that, regardless. Yeah. Anyway. I 
I also agree. That's like in his positioning, uh, and but you could argue maybe he's playing Nizgoda versus playing Williams because he doesn't expect Williamson to shoot from that distance. But still, I feel like that changed the whole um, the whole game for us. It's one of my pet peeves is when strikers don't are real lazy about getting back onside. Um, like just fucking just do it, man. You're most, <laughs> you got one job. It's to be onside and shoot goals. Don't be the guy that's casually strolling back to be onside in the middle of the action. Yeah. So I want to say something controversial and uh, I said this in a chat and then Randy, you told me I was stupid, but putting this out there, uh, the Timbers looked like they gave up during that match. I would say like in the 65th minute. I mean, we still scored a goal, but it was, and again, it was a beautiful goal. Congrats to Tika Okoba. And uh, there's a video of his brother in the stands being filmed when he scored that goal saying, that's my brother. And everyone like even from Atlanta was clapping. So uh, congrats to the Atlanta fans. But Diego Chara hasn't lost a step. He's lost two. And he's being asked to, to – Randy, here's why you're wrong. Because you were like – all you did was defend Diego Valeri. You're like, Valeri still got it. Like, he's, he's the best player that we Valeri have. Valeri once. What are you blah, talking blah, about? Blah, 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 blah. And then you were like, oh, no, needs to go to fits our sister, blah, blah, blah. And I – listen to our old podcast, Randy. Uh, Diego Valeri, we had this conversation multiple oh, times. Oh, you're talking about like two seasons ago you want me to talk about something? Yeah, I don't forget anything unless it's like uh, me being held accountable. So, sure, sure. Um, uh, no, but you said you said Diego. Your comment comment was Diego Valeri is done. Diego and, Valeri is done. That was I'm sorry, Diego Char is done, right? Yeah, absolutely. He lost two steps. Didn't, well, are you saying no? He's he done? said is done, and I oh, said yeah. you are dumb. You did say he was done, and you are dumb. He's not done. Oh my god, you guys you guys are dumb. You have Homer glasses on. And like you're dude, like he is he is he can't outrun anyone one on one anymore. I'm not saying he's not oh, a good defensive. That's not even true. That's oh, not even true. He can't outrun trendy. everyone one on one. That's but he he's so still wrong, Randy. Oh dude. Watch the match. Diego Chara still does what Diego Chara does. Does he absolutely smother every single thing that comes through his third of the field like he used to? No, but he still does it consistently. I'm going to defer. Let's defer no. to people that know what they're talking about. And uh, Timing. Yeah. Hey, up, if you're still uh, listening, why don't you uh, step in and tell me if I'm wrong that Diego Chara is, is done. This will be his last season as a their regular starter in, in defensive midfield for the Timbers. Cue up the last more Sonic episode. Yeah. Um, it's tough to say. He, he's, he doesn't look like the Chara that we once knew. I mean, that's for damn sure. But um, Time and you're dumb too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like what made him amazing, um, what made him like such a key part of the Timbers, I hope we haven't lost that. You know, I, I don't know. I, I really hope not. It'd be tough to see. I It was tough to, like, every player at a certain point, especially in the MLS, you watch them not be able to hold it, and we watched it with uh, with Valeri, but he had, he had one last great season. You know what I mean? Like, he had, before his last one, was, like, one of his best ones, right? So, I yeah. hope, hope for Chara. 
So here's my question that I also posed in the in the chat during this moment where Randy was again incorrect. Um, is he's the captain? If Char is out, who on the roster at this point would be the captain? Eric. Yeah. So Eric Williamson, who was almost gone from the Timbers roster last season and was uh, like speculation for multiple trade rumors at big ones in New England. Um, and so someone who clearly was either a out of favor with our ownership group or with Gio Savarese, I, I, I just don't understand how that's the next natural choice. He's the captain of the team. He's not uh, the captain of Gio. Yes. And also making someone a captain has the, potential to change a man all right so wait another question uh and we can i'll mark this down in the notes so we can look back at it and if you guys are wrong i'll bring it back up and if i'm right i'll or like oh, well, if i'm right duh uh, i'll definitely bring it back up but if i'm wrong i won't which is do you think that diego chara um barring any injuries stays as a regular starter through the last third of the season yes Yes. Okay. All right. I'm going to go with no. And here's what I say about everything that you're talking about, Diego Chara. It is clear he has lost a step or possibly two. Fine. That is okay. Here's the problem. We have counted on him for a decade to just do what he does because he has been the best in the league at doing that. Nonstop. It was a foregone conclusion what Diego Chara brought to our midfield. Plenty of teams have won trophies with defensive midfielders not even close to as good as Diego Chara. And now for the very first time, our coaches are having to look at the situation and go, oh, this guy's not a foregone conclusion anymore. We need to put the right pieces around him to help him be successful ask a slightly different role or slightly less of him for him to continue being effective. And we weren't prepared for that on our roster. Yeah. You kind of were with Christian Paredes, but look where that went. That's a good point. Um, He's not played well in games where the whole, he's not played as well at times in games where the whole team is playing like shit. So I, don't, I, I think it's way too early to make that judgment to say, oh, he's he's Ooh, done. You're going to be wrong. You guys are both going to be wrong. And I'll bet you a... Yeah, if a, we're wrong, it's just pure luck. It's not going to have anything. To, it, it's not going to be based on any sort of... Uh, science. Insightful analytics. knowledge that you've gleaned from watching four games. Hey, man, I was very sober for none of the games and uh i would like to point out that i'm gonna be right and let's make a bet like you're so confident let's make a bet uh, i mean what they say money can buy happiness but it can't buy intelligence we had technical technical difficulties uh just like apple tv during the atlanta united match no big deal yeah oof, boy, that was bad um and uh Jonathan mentioned something about we should bet on it if we feel strongly. And I just wanted to bring up the fact that Jonathan never made good on his uh, bet to buy me a beer anywhere in England after uh, Burnley was failed to be relegated. 
a couple seasons ago. So you know what, Randall? Yeah, you probably qualify for the AARP discount. So <laughs> I am happy to get you a discount middle seat shitter ticket. Um, uh, to myself, sure, right? right? I'll go yeah, there, uh, land at the airport. There'll be a guy there with a sign. Is <laughs> it Randy? Randy. <laughs> it's just me at the airport bar having a beer and with then a the warm return Bud ticket. Light that I have pre sent. It's <laughs> actually really funny. Uh, um, yeah, right. so Greg, I threw this up on the agenda for you because people asked about it, but um, we don't have to dive too deep into it. As Randy said, spend no time on this, but the injuries, man. Is it the injuries or the sky is falling? And Greg, what's your opinion? Poor Canolos dose. Injuries are, are constantly an issue with this goddamn club. Not just through the entire year, but especially at the beginning of the year. And we keep beating the dick goddamn dead horse of our training staff. And I don't know what's going on and I'm sick of it. I see. Really think that's our training staff. You mean like, uh, I don't know what the other the guys running the training or the guys that the health and fitness guys, the physios, man, one physios. or the other. I don't know. Clearly something's up. If it keeps happening, they, they train on grass too. So we can't blame it on the turf. They trade on both. They have a, a grass field and a turf field. So depending on where they're going to be playing in the coming week, that's what they train on. Okay. Non-contact injuries are the scariest ones that happen. And I mean, that just like uh, those things happen. Like I've injured myself before when playing fat bowl and <laughs> um, it's, it happens. But I mean, if I trained every week, that shouldn't happen. And the fact that there's been Chara and, Paredes who have gone out with non-contact injuries is um, that's it's shitty, man. Almost I, identical non-contact injuries two weeks apart. Yeah. So you look at Mora, Blanco, Ajala, Espria, Chara, Paredes, and Evander. That is a pretty sig- that's two DPs um, and a pretty significant chunk of our attacking firepower that is out. And we had said during the beginning of the season, like we're going to be like Liverpool where you win four to three. But the problem is, is we're not winning four to three. And I think we all like accepted that we gave up on defense. And, uh, but at this point it's just like, shit, man, this is, this is awful. Before we move on from Atlanta. uh, Okay. I was just going to say, uh, did you guys see, you remember Almeida's screamer of a free kick? I think that was yeah. the third goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you guys Wonderful. see, did you guys see what Nick Ramondo said about that? No. no. What'd he say? He said that was, uh, Ivicic's fault. Cause he set up his wall incorrectly. What? If a ball is that far out at that angle, having any more than two people, in your wall obscures your line of sight. And if he just had, and I think he set up four on the match day, if he only set up two, he would have been able to see it all the way in and would have saved it. Do you agree? I mean, I trust Nick Ramondo and I know Ivicic is a damn good keeper. I'm not going to definitively say one way or the other, but I found it incredibly interesting and worth talking about. Yeah, that's fair. I like Nick Ramondo. <laughs> he is a, a if like Portland could have had him, that would have been like our our hometown hero. He would be like Diego Chara. 
I mean, I guess if a short guy is gonna has advice on how you can keep a a ball that goes into the top corner from going into the goal, you got you got to listen to R- Romando for that advice. It was actually really funny. Somebody replied to him like, "Who the hell do you think is saving that screamer?" And he replied, "From thirty five yards out, my mom." <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, it was pretty outstanding. Um, so I just to to keep us going on it. I, I I don't think the sky is falling. I think the injuries are really taking a, a, a hit to us, and as evidenced by we ha- we had six subs, including a keeper. On oh, Randy's got to leave. Thank God. Um. <laughs> um so it it. Six subs is is all you need to understand about where we where we are as a team, and no real big impact subs. And it just it is what it is, and we got to get some players in. Like obviously, we got Frank Bully, who's officially signed. I thought maybe he'd be ready for that match, but I guess not. Hopefully, he's ready for this weekend. I think he has visa issues that are trying to get sorted out. Oh god, damn it, dude! Like I am. The Timbers shit the bed again. You should use on... MasterCard instead. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Amex. Amex, Amex, Amex. <laughs> um, so, but let's move on from the injuries. Everyone knows what it is. I, you know, I really want to talk about the, the Reddit and Twitter poll results wow. of what I presented as being correct. And I still think I am correct, even though I lost in this unfair vote. Um, should we so... make Galaxy predictions first? Uh, no, no. Yeah, sure. Why not? Fuck it. Uh, we're we're going to be the galaxy three to one. We play them in a couple days and thankfully the galaxy are also off to a poor start, though. Not as poor as us. They have zero wins, one loss and two draws, I believe. So I'm Uh, saying three to one one, win one fewer game than us. Uh, three, two win. Uh, Randy stole mine. So I'm going to, what'd you say, Jonathan? Three to one win. Uh, two to one win. Okay. I need to be optimistic. I need to feel good. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Greg, is there a TFO or no? No. Well, hey. your volunteer time isn't valuable anymore. Thanks. Um, <laughs> so Reddit poll results. This was in relation to um, if the game is recorded and you missed it live. Do you want to know the score or do you want to wait to know the score and watch the the replay recording and I would like to point out we had 276 total votes, 169 losers that watch replays like they're brand new, and 107 winners with six-figure incomes. <laughs> so um, I uh, I think the 107 is perfect. Uh, I'm glad no one else voted. Uh, 107 is, uh, yay. Uh, but Sounds about as fixed as that 107 is selection. Yeah, I was like, I was like, I went to my neighbor. I'm like, yo, can you vote for this shit real quick? Thanks. Um, I... <laughs> I think it's interesting that it's um, it clear, clearly you guys won, and I didn't do the actual percentages, but three of four for us said you would rather wait and, and watch a replay and not know the score, and I still – I really just don't get it. But I, I felt slightly vindicated that it was higher than 25% of all overall votes that were the same as me, where it's like it's already happened. Like the suspense is over. Um, I might as well just know what happened and then watch those highlights. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So 
Greg, did we get any uh, listener feedback or questions? Uh, we got a few. You guys want something silly or serious? Uh, serious to start because we were talking about how I was writing you guys wrong, even though you won the vote. <laughs> All right. Uh, Tucson PTFC. He talks a little bit about injuries and uh, states that are current biggest weakness is our midfield which look at the last two matches i don't think anybody would argue with that and goes on to ask who would you say in theory our best midfield pairing is this season and he put out there paredes and chara what do you guys think well yeah (laughs) we've only had four games so so you think williamson is not in that midfield, I mean, we can play three guys, but no, no, no. We have a four-two-three-one. That's our that's our formation. I don't know. I'm going to annoy Jonathan, and I'm oh. going to throw this out there: abandon the four-two-three-one. Play a, a four. Which we have for two games in a row. Play a four-three-three. Our first line of the midfield is. A healthy Paredes, Chara, and Williamson. Sure. And the three up top are going to be uh, Moreno and a healthy Jimmy with Evander playing a false nine. I'm not opposed to your formation and and the 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 people you have picked, but we are a four two three one team. Except when we are a except two side PTFC team or yeah yeah. No, 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 and no, Greg. It was you four, who three, said two, that Gio one, answered this question for us uh, in the beginning of the season, saying we are a 4-2-3-1. So now you got to stick with it. Accountability yeah. matters in this podcast, Greg. But, fine. Paredes and Chara, obviously, because that's when we look the best on the pitch. And then you were all well, just talking about Williamson scoring like a 35-yard screamer? Williamson was on the field with, that, with uh, Paredes and Chara. With Atlanta? It wasn't Williamson? It was Williamson, but it was disallowed. Oh, eat shit, Greg. Nizgo is responsible for negative one goals. Yeah. (laughs) I am am going Paredes and Williamson. Oh, yeah, because you said Diego's done. Yeah, I think. I'm going Paredes, Williamson, and Diego. You can't go and Diego. Yes, I can. No, Randy. It's a 4 2 3 1. Jonathan, no. Stop it. Listen Stop to your it. jet lag. Stop and it. No. You've I'm, already been I, wrong Jesus twice. Christ, Just get dude, over it. Dude, no. That's uh, you got to pick two. Who is it? I don't have to. I don't have to pick two. Well, <laughs> if you if you want to honor if you want to honor our listeners, who I would like their- to honor our listeners by moving on to the next. <laughs> all right fine i'll take the next one this is just a comment that we got from uh brandon hatfield where he said you all are bitching about the default being to show scores uh from apple tv before matches are over which led to the poll and not showing pre half post match shows he said espn plus was the same way and to you brandon hatfield i say i had no idea about that so fuck him too no Here's the no. deal with that. Yeah, we're bitching about it because this Apple Plus, the Apple Plus deal is supposed to be 
a step above that. ESPN thing was always an afterthought the way they covered most of those matches. So this is supposed to be a flagship representation of MLS. And so that's why we're bitching about it. And we have the right to complain about it. Has there been an episode of PVSP that I am on Randy's side for the entire goddamn episode before? (laughs) This is a sign that the world is going to end and that we shouldn't be here as a species anymore. I I could see in these show notes, Greg, that you're not entirely on my side. (laughs) (laughs) Spend no time on this. On Reddit, Ears to Snow asks, It's painfully obvious the Timbers need some major changes to compete this year. Now that Morisonic is back, what changes are you guys going to make to get on their podcasting level? <laughs> Wait, who the fuck asked this question? <laughs> Jonathan's going to throw money at it. Yeah, I was like, if you haven't noticed, we had a really uh, good professional referee on our podcast earlier who discussed yeah. some impactful insights and they they excelled uh no dude like whatever man morisonic borisonic whatever you want to call them i'm (laughs) sure they're nice guys but they're just not as good as us because they can't rap battle number one and number two they can't have a metal off which i also challenged which was you know not listened to so whatever man good for them also i heard mick g asked morisonic how they're gonna get on our level so Oh, that's right. Yeah, Mick G is my homie. He's, um, he's kind of like a podcast slut. He, didn't he like float around from soccer? Did you just soccer, call him a pass around? So, soccer touchdown to Morrisonic. And then he's on our, our tip for a while. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the funniest thing you've ever said. Um, so, all right. Well. I'm going to move on from that question because it's beneath us and we won. <laughs> and um, uh, this is a good one from Ted dark shade on Reddit. You get to make one signing. Who do you sign and how does it fix the team? Jonathan. Um, I, again, still think we need a, DP level center back who can boss the back line. It was, uh, as mentioned by someone previously, it was on the sorry, just got here question on Reddit as well. And someone responded with about additional comments about Ridgewell being a success as a designated player center back where you normally wouldn't spend your money on that. But I just think it shores up the back line and I would much um, prefer uh, that we spend our money on a DP level center back, someone in their late twenties, uh, who's been, you know, in champions league and we pay them a boatload of money to, um, uh, to, to do what they got to do. And I do apologize guys. I have to go here in a minute. Mm. I'm going to answer for Josh. Cause he's not here. Uh, a DP keeper, preferably, uh, the, <laughs> uh, keeper for the Argentina national team. <laughs> Um, I'm going to answer that different question that somebody asked about if we could sign anyone in the in MLS to fill that center back role. Is that the question? Was that the right yep. one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, who would that be? And it had to be realistic. I would say I would sign a guy who could help us in center back and in our midfield where we have a lot of injuries right now. And that person is Bill Tuiloma. Suff, so stuff it, yeah. Ned. <laughs> so, Bill Tuiloma at the back. Jaybo at the front. 
We're winning everything. All right. Uh, closing track because Jonathan's got to go. Anybody else have anything to say? We did Galaxy. Uh, Greg, uh, where and how do they reach us? Check out our playlist of all the kick-ass songs that appear on the podcast on Spotify. Search Radio Free PVSP. You can email us at portlandvanity at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail at 503-583-4235. Facebook and Instagram, Portland Vanity. Twitter, PDX Vanity Soccer. Match.com, Bumble, Tinder, OkCupid, and Jonathan's mom. She's a lovely lady. What's the closing track, Randy? Closing track. I'm a little bit disappointed that Josh wasn't here to uh, hear this um, because uh, picked solely to annoy Greg because he cut off a discussion about the darkness. Um, yeah. Closing track <laughs> is uh, Street Spirit, Fade Out, which is the darkness covering Radiohead in a metal fashion. And um, you should all enjoy this. And if you don't, you're dead on the inside. Thank you very much. All right. Are we done? Yeah, cheers, guys. All right. Good night, everybody. Goodbye.
again Hi guys, this is Brianna. I'm Jonathan's wife. I would like to say Jonathan is an asshole and he's also a loser. And, um, 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 this first suck. That's it. Bye. Camp is now in session, boys. The mighty PTFC have reunited. Prepare for the excitement. Followed by disappointment, as we've come to experience from them annually. Annually, not annually, but hope springs eternal, my friends. This might be the year. Our back line has room for improvement, but our midfield, if healthy, will be among the best in the league. Get your scarf swinging arm in shape. Get yourself hydrated. And download your vocal warm-up of choice, because it's Timber's time. And for God's sake, stop huffing those dumbass fake pens right into the mic. Taste the biscuit. Taste the goodness of the biscuit. Taste that honey sauce. Taste that sexy and yummy, yummy honey sauce. Yeah, oh yeah, taste the biscuit, taste the goodness of the biscuit.